This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough Fitness. Mountain Tough Fitness training is not just any fitness regimen. It's a comprehensive program crafted for the hunter's endurance, strength, and mental toughness. Developed with the backcountry hunter in mind, Mountain Tough's workout are tailored to simulate real-world hunting scenarios. Ensure that you're as prepared as possible when you hit the wilderness. Also, we can get you six weeks free by using code MULIFREAK. So be sure to check out Mountain Tough Fitness and elevate your game. Welcome to another episode of The Grind Podcast, where I talk hunting, entrepreneurship, and the daily grind and what it takes to earn success. I'm your host, Eric Van Workham, and today we have one of our podcast favorites back, Seth, the whiz kid, Swerzik. What's up, man? How's it going, Eric? Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, absolutely. You're one of our uh, most popular podcasts ever. How's that make you feel? Uh, pretty good. You know, I feel like putting out some good information we're putting out some good cartridges some good bullets and ultimately um you know as an employee for hornady manufacturing i want our company to be synonymous with hitting what you're aiming at and in the business of hunting that's what we're trying to do hey it's more like killing what you're aiming at because you can't control if people are hitting it right yeah that's true that is true yep hey it was good to see you at shot show yeah that was a whirlwind that was probably one of the best shot shows and most useful shot shows since maybe 2015 or 16 that I've been to. There was a lot of uh, purposeful and and influential meetings that happened there. There's a lot of people there. Uh, you know, through those COVID years, SHOT Show was kind of, you know, it, it definitely took a hit, but man, it is back. And that was a good show. And um, I'm glad to be home after that whole stretch, but I wish I could have made it to the Western Hunt Expo, but you'll probably see me there next year. Oh, I can't wait to see there. That's one you guys got to get to. It's an amazing show. And I know you guys are super busy and, you know, your schedules are taxed, but it's a great, great show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and in that space, you know, you've got the the prairie and then west, the population density there the participate participation level within those populations is so high in the hunting and shooting space. So yeah, it's in a perfect spot to where you get so many people are so passionate about what they're doing and not afraid to spend money to do it. And, uh, and, and they go hard. Yeah, absolutely. They, they go really hard. The conservation, uh, I think that Antelope Island tag went for 350,000 this year. Um, I don't recall what the Arizona strip tag uh, went for, but you know, a lot of states are donating to this Utah, um, auction and we were able to actually put that donation rifle together. Uh, we're proof chipped in, uh, Travis Stevens chipped in with the rifle build proof with the barrel, uh, night force with the scope. And we actually raised over $40,000 back to back years and we did it again this year. So that was kind of cool. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Those again, yeah, the conservation efforts and it's just amazing and it's cool to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, brother. I know you got a, a busy schedule, but I want to talk with you today about uh, one of the things I get hit up all the time and not a more fitting person than the whiz kid to have him answer it. And that is caliber selection. Um, I have some ideas on, on, on where I would take this, but like, it, you know, where, how do you choose a caliber? Like what, what goes into so, your thought process? And I have a couple segue points to go into after this, but like, how do you choose what caliber you're going to go with? Yep. So uh, I'm afforded a great opportunity working where I work because I, I get to have all of them at my disposal, right? So I really have no limitations. So when I'm choosing a, a caliber, uh, not necessarily a cartridge, but a caliber, what what the thought process I go through is I, I imagine myself standing over this animal that I just killed, whatever animal it is, and then I, okay, wow, what is it going to take to get me there? at success. And if 
the animal is a certain size or a certain, you know, historically really tough animal, then that will dictate the caliber selection. And then I work my way backwards. So if I'm thinking primarily mule deer or antelope or whitetail, then I'll go, okay, seven millimeter or six, five. And then from there, what shot distances am I likely to encounter? Because yep. that will determine my muzzle velocity for that caliber. That, that's so, huge. Yeah. If they're going to be inside of 400 yards and I don't need a Magnum for, you know, usually, um, if it's going to be a really high wind condition, maybe I do want a Magnum. And so the caliber selection, so the bullet diameter, that's really dictated by what animal am I after? How far away is am I realistically going to have to shoot? What's the wind conditions like? And that will dictate the muzzle velocity that I need that bullet to be going. And then that'll back me into cartridge selection so you know the the big one is that gray area of elk you know if, if if i'm hunting elk i'm probably going to be doing it with a seven or a 30 versus if i'm primarily hunting deer and antelope and occasionally elk then i'll go maybe a six five or a seven um and then as i back out and i look at what velocity do i need that bullet to be going that'll dictate what cartridge i choose yeah no that, that's great i think shot distance is a plays into that um greatly in the sense that you know, I think going into a hunt, you know what kind of terrain, given the technology that we have these days, base map, Onyx, what, hunt stand, whatever, uh, whatever sort of software you use for your mapping, you can figure out your glassing points and then identify where you think game will be bedding, feeding, et cetera, where, where you're going to be hunting from. And then I'll draw lines and figure out what my shot distances could or should be. Um, case in point, spring bear hunting. That, that country's deep. It's steep. Um, a lot of times we're going into bear country, there's spots we've never been before. So I'm like, okay, if I can get to this point, um, can I shoot from this ridge over to that ridge? Or, or can I not get over there? And a lot of times I'll position myself within shooting distance, whether it's five to a thousand yards, obviously the closer, the better. Uh, but sometimes you just can't get closer. And, you know, shooting a 6.5 PRC at a spring bear even at a thousand yards, not ideal. Uh, probably not, probably not the distance you want is it, sure. It's, it's what you always say. Number one beats number two and that's shot placement, right? Um, mm -hmm. that, that's the most effective thing or, or the most important thing, I, I guess you should, you should say, but, uh, but going back and kind of rambling here, but going back, you know, sometimes you're hunting places that you know, right. And then oh, yeah. you, you, you've, you're returning to certain areas that, you know, distances and whatnot. Uh, at that point, then you select your cartridge, uh, even your, your gun configuration. Am I going to be pounding timber? Do I need a six pound rifle that I can pull up and shoot a whitetail? Or do I need a more steady rifle that mid range nine to 11 pounds that I can sit down and shoot an elk at six, 700 yards. And I, I, I typically say, well, what type of hunting are you doing? Deer elk? Well, deer elk. Okay. What shot distances? Well, geez, I don't know. You know, I, th I think you really have to think about that when selecting your caliber. Because I don't think you want to be really? hunting elk with a 6.5 PRC at, you know, 800 yards plus. Yeah, that's a big one where you want to give yourself the most unfair advantage possible. You want to go, you know, on that hunt as ultimately prepared as you possibly can be. And that doesn't necessarily mean always shooting the biggest cartridge or carrying the biggest stick. Sometimes that means finding the sweet spot that you can actually shoot effectively at these ranges. And sometimes, you know, you might have to say, okay, I can't really shoot a lightweight, bigger 
magnum like say a 7 mag or 7 prc or 28 nozzler or 300 prc 300 wind mag so you might be in the 6.5 world or those other smaller short magnums and you might just have to limit your range expectations uh, but you do need to find the balance of caliber and velocity and therefore cartridge uh, so that you are the most equipped the pro- as, as close to perfectly equipped as you possibly can be yeah and you brought up a good point you work at hornady so you're for- afforded a lot of opportunity probably at rifle builds um mm-hmm. caliber variations um so you know you you can be more selective you go on uh company hunts or rider rider based hunts where you're going out and doing pr stuff um you can pick a gun uh for that particular you know whether it's a whitetail blinds uh situation or you know a backcountry elk hunt but like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have that luxury of of that sort of uh availability to you know that kind of stuff so what would you tell those people like i would say definitely do your homework more so than if you know if you're if you're willing to buy a bunch of different guns or build different guns well then it, you know you can have a lot of different uh you know rifles to choose from that's great but if you're trying to do one or two rifles and you're really trying to do it effectively you really need to study what you're doing and you need to be honest with yourself you know we all want to be prepared for you know the thousand yard shot or the 800 yard shot when in reality a, you know a gross proportion of animals harvested are inside of traditional ranges, certainly with inside of 600, you know, it's a very small subset of data where the, the, you know, the shots are north of six, 700 yards. So you need to be honest with yourself, honest with your expectations. And then part of being honest with yourself is you as a shooter. Um, you know, I, I've seen this in firsthand. Somebody gets into a big gun that doesn't weigh a lot. It's not fun to shoot. It's not fun to shoot, and no. they're not any more effective with that than they would be with, you know, a six-five Creedmoor. So I would say do your homework, pick the right bullet, pick the right bullet diameter, and then when it comes to velocity and picking what cartridge to choose, you definitely have to be honest with yourself and with your hunting world, you know. And and if you're just looking for uh, one gun to do it all, you'd really be hard pressed to to find a, a better caliber selection than a seven millimeter specifically obviously i'm super biased but the 7 mm-hmm. prc just you can do a lot with that mm-hmm. um but if you're looking for you know primarily elk maybe 30 caliber is a better option or primarily antelope and whitetail or something like that then maybe a 6.5 is a little bit better but if you're just trying to choose one because you're not going to invest in three or four different you know really high-end rifles take your time and really be honest with yourself and what you're doing and what you expect to do uh, and make sure that the products you're selecting are in alignment with your expectations. Yeah, hundred percent. You said something. Uh, shooters shoot just like in basketball. Uh, pick a rifle that you you can shoot and shoot a lot and shoot well. The more you shoot, the the more effective you'll be, yep. increasing your marksmanship. So don't get a seven pound or a six pound or a five pound three hundred PRC that kicks the crap out of you that you're gun shy to shoot because you'll never get better. Yep. And even if you can handle the recoil, even if, if you've got great shooting mechanics and you, and you shoot it just enough to be, you know, good with it, but not enough that you're getting beat up, those lightweight rifles are still harder to shoot and you're not seeing your trace. You're not seeing where the bullet lands. You're not seeing where you missed or where you hit. That's a big Uh, deal, especially for longer shots on the longer shots. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those small things that the more you shoot, the more, you know, the better you'll get. 
And the better you'll get at watching your own shot and calling your own shot, which, you know, on, on almost any hunt is incredibly important. Yeah. hundred percent being able to shoot a follow-up shot. Um, yeah. it's so, great to have a spotter and, and, you know, we, for the most part, I don't do much hunting by myself, but, uh, it, I just feel more confident when I watched it happen. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to have a spotter say, okay, you hit, you know, given up to three tenths of wind or something like that, but it's better when I see it and I can measure yeah. it in my scope and I can make that follow well, up. A lot of times the spotter too might see something that you're not seeing and call the shot. I, I've had spotters say, oh, you shot over him when in fact you shot under him. Mm-hmm. So you be, shot right through him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you seeing it versus relying on someone else. And I say this in archery hunting. I don't ever let anyone range an animal for me anymore. Nope. I want it to be my fault. If, if yeah, I, if I have, a good, a, you know what I mean? If I have a bad range, you that's know, it's, a it's good a, policy. Yeah. It's a good policy because if someone's falling behind you filming or, or, or helping you or doing whatever, and they're like 35 and he's 53, um, oops. Yeah. Then it's like, dude, no, you, you need to arrange it. It's an extra step, but it's, it's on you. And so that's yeah. why I think, you know, rather than relying on somebody to spot the shot for you, sure. It's nice, but, but ideally it'd be nice if you could do that yourself. Then it's yeah, on, then I, it's on you. Especially, you know, in, in the, the way of hunting where a lot of us and, and most of your listeners are doing, you know, you're, you might be in a, in an odd shooting position. You might be shooting off a tripod, off a pack, something like that. So really pairing up the cartridge and caliber selection with the right rifle configuration can make a world of difference in just raw shootability. Cause it's one thing to go lay down proned out with a bipod and a sandbag. You can make a lot of rifles shoot pretty well, and, and yeah. you know you can be pretty comfortable with that. But when you put them on a tripod and you're, you know, you're on the downside of a hill, but you're shooting back uphill, and it's awkward. I mean, you got a lot of people eating scopes and uh, <laughs> and not watching where their bullet lands. And yeah, doing some homework before the purchase, before the build, can just save you yeah. from a lot of that. Yeah, I think you should ask yourself, you know, back to the homework piece: Where am I going to be hunting? What type of terrain? What are my shot distance going to be? What what type of animals do I want to hunt? Um, you know, and, and and then make a decision based on that. You know, and if you start hunting different type of terrain, then maybe it's time to get a different gun at that point. You know, if you decide, yeah. hey, I'm going to go to the state, it's going to be different. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's a lot of options and opportunities now. I mean, the world of manufacturing, you've got guaranteed headspace actions. You can buy pre-fit barrels from proof. Um, you can swap stocks out. So, you know, if you have your one rifle and you have that 10% hunt or that 5% hunt that you don't do very often, well, let me drop it into a different stock or maybe a folding chassis or something. Or, you know, maybe instead of your normal barrel, you swap that out for a, you know, a, a longer, heavier, shorter, lighter, whatever, you know, different caliber. Because um, that's getting easier and easier to do. Yeah, 100%. It, it is getting easier to do, which makes it nice and it's less expensive. You don't have to have, you know, 100 custom rifles. I mean, you could, yeah. you could swap you one out and have three or four. You can do a lot with a short action and a long action rifle. You know, if you spend the money and get an action that has guaranteed headspace, get prefit barrels from proof and preferred barrels. And gosh, there's carbon six. There's so many other barrel manufacturers out there that do prefit barrels. Um, yeah. If you have a short action and a long action, uh, you can do a lot with just that. You could have really any, ca- you know, any cartridge under the sun at that point, And then you're not reinvesting in the stock and the optic and the bipod and all of that. Yeah. hundred percent. You make a good point there. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, 
one one point I also want to make, I, I get a lot of questions about, you know, is a 6.5 PRC uh, enough gun for elk? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I know people in Alaska shooting moose, Yukon, Alaska Yukon moose, 6.5 Creedmoors. Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of them. And stoning them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, yes, a 6.5 PRC is big enough for elk. But again, it comes back to what type of terrain are you hunting? What are your shot distances? You know, it, and, and, and the thing again, that you say the most, number one always beats number two, and that is shot placement, you know, I put it in the right spot. And the six, five PRC, we've got people in our company as, I mean, you guys do as well. We got people shooting elk with six, five Creedmoors and PRCs every fall. It happens very, very regularly. Um, the, the key is, yeah, number one is shot placement and part of that homework piece Make sure you're shooting the right bullet and make sure you're uh, you're in line with the velocity that is required to make those bullets work. Yep. Uh, you don't want to be pushing, you know, those smaller calibers outside of their performance window and really pushing the edges of performance when you don't have to. You know, I mean, if you can if you do your homework, you'll know where those edges are and you can stay clearly away from them. Uh, but yeah, shot distance and bullet selection is huge. But six fives, definitely enough for elk. People do it every fall. You've personally done it. it. Yes, it is absolutely enough. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next question. I know what I'm going to answer here, but I'm going to let you answer it. And I meant to not influence you. Okay. Okay. So you got a narrow for Western big game down to three calibers. Go. Well, it's it's it is pretty simple. Obviously, <laughs> and I'm heavily biased, but I can back it up with with actual facts i can back it up with ballistic development that in some cases i was actually a part of that the 300 prc the 65 prc and the 7 prc the only thing that you might uh if you were talking like dangerous game you know you're up in northwestern montana parts of wyoming alaska where there is a heavy brown bear population uh, especially here in the Continental 48, which they seem to be maybe a little bit more aggressive than up in Alaska, you might be able to argue one of those should be swapped out with something like a 338 or a 375. But yeah. man, for the hefty majority of Western big game hunting, a big heavy 30, the hot rod seven millimeter, and then the 6.5, the sweetheart, you can really do virtually anything with those three. Yeah, you really can. Um, just to piggyback on what you said there about you know Alaskan brown bear populations, I got a buddy Jonah runs an Alaskan outfit. He does uh, got he does grizzly Arctic grizzly stuff. He does brown bears. He's seen a lot of brown bear die, and he says that brown bears die. Uh, very, how should I say this? Thirty cows are very effective on brown bears, and he says even three hundred wind mags. He says they do a great job. He said I'd prefer a three hundred wind mag over three thirty eight. Now I don't know if there was some circumstantial evidence where 338s he wasn't that impressed with what they did to brown bear obviously the numbers say that it's a bigger bullet it's going to hit harder right but he's like man i've seen so many 30 cows specifically 300 winds do a number on brown bear like yep plenty big plenty big for brown bear so i can't imagine the 300 pc not being absolutely incredible for brown bear now that said a lot of those guys are carrying around 375 h's following behind you know their hunters as backup with no with no optic on it 
just so they can stone a bear, you know, yeah, if point ne- and shoot at 10 yards kind of deal. hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I do believe that the PRC cartridges for the Western hunter and for any hunter, almost anywhere for that matter, they're just so versatile, so capable, they're refined, they're elegant, and they're properly done. They really don't leave anything on the table. They really don't from a design standpoint. It's really hard to to get better than that. Um, I mean, if you're looking for just velocity, then there are bigger cartridges that will have more velocity, but there's usually a trade-off there. Yeah. What 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 ammo would you use for a 375 backup H&H? Just curious, it, like I'm, if you were a guide backing up a hunter. What ammo would I use? Mm-hmm. What, what bullet DG, for that 375? Yeah, the, probably the DGX, which is a dangerous game expanding. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a huge bullet. It's copper clad steel jacket. So it's a steel jacket that's that's clad in copper. So it's obviously safe in your barrel, and it's got a lead core. And they do expand, and we do uh, we bond those. So they are bonded, but they do expand. That way, you're getting maximum energy transfer. Um, but you're getting a huge bullet that's going to hit like a hammer. And if you had that, oh crap, charging bear coming in, uh, I would, I would not hesitate to hang my hat on that number. Yeah. Not to get off topic there. I just wanted to ask you that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you've got it narrowed down to three calibers, the six, five PRC, seven PRC and 300 PRC. I'm on a budget. How do you, how do you narrow from there? Uh, well, the, the easy math is, Material costs money, lead, copper, and, you know, there's copper in a bullet jacket, uh, copper uh, in the in the brass, obviously, to make the uh, cartridge cases, and there's a lot of lead in bullets. Those all three cost money. You want to lower the cost, shoot less of those three products. So the smaller calibers, like a 6.5, there's just less cost there because there's less material. So that might be an option. Um, also, uh, the, the 7 is, again, one of those cartridges that just strikes a really good balance where it's not horribly expensive to shoot. I was just at Sportsman's Warehouse locally yesterday. They had it on the shelf for $65 a box, which is, you know, it's more than 308 Winchester, but it's a sure. high-performance cartridge uh, versus 300 PRC, which is substantially more expensive. So just based on cost, that's one way that you could look at it. You know, if you're really trying to shoot effectively, you want to shoot a lot, um, you know, those six fives and those sevens, the ammo is just going to be slightly less expensive because there's less stuff there yeah and ammo availability seems to be uh more readily available than it was you know six months ago like i see tons of ammo on the shelves now yeah it's and, it's and great to see costs have gone down too yeah they have yeah because a lot of that cost was at the retailer level you know i mentioned lead and copper being the the chief drivers of the cost of ammo propellant has gone up considerably as well mm-hmm. um but we've absorbed a bunch of those price increases. Um, and when we do have a price increase, it's really marginal. You know, it might be 5 8%, something like that. Uh, so when you're seeing 30 40 50% increased cost at the ammo, that's strictly at the retailer level who's just charging more for the product. Mm-hmm. And it's free market. They can do what they want. But we are seeing the cost come down. We're seeing the availability go up, which is great to see, especially coming into an election year. Um, I would encourage all your listeners, if you are listening right now, you've got your go-to hunting rifles and cartridges, probably just go out and buy a couple extra boxes of ammo while it's here today. Because like I said, those election years, they just, they do a number on the ammo industry. They do. People start to hoard it again. They, they do. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have a, a healthy supply, yeah, 100%. but you don't want to get close to season and not have any supply. And, yeah, exactly. Then you're, then you're between a rock and a hard spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Right on. So Seth has to pick one of the three. What's Seth going with? Man, I feel like I'm so transparent about this, almost to the point of mockery, that it's the 7 PRC. And there's just, there's no reason for me to shoot anything bigger. Um, You know, if I was, if I, if I had a, I could, I could say to you in a a, a certain scenario where I would choose the 300, Mm -hmm. but I'm telling you what, Eric, for everything that I do and everything, every place I've done it in, I will, that seven PRC between our ELDX bullet and our CX bullet, I can really do anything from, yeah, antelope, whitetail deer up to and including elk. Um, and there's plenty of, you know, people in Alaska that shoot brown bears with a seven mag. So it would, you know, it would perform well in that arena as well. Uh, but for what I do almost exclusively here on, you know, the lower 48 or the Africa plains, I'll tell you what, seven PRC for the win. It's flat. It's the flattest shooting of the PRCs. It's right in the middle of the road for recoil and about the top end to what I like to shoot on a hunting weight rifle. Easy to suppress. Uh, I can watch my own shots. It's about 30% less recoil than a 300 PRC. And it just, like I said, it just works. 30% recoil. You had me at 30% recoil. Yeah, 30% less. And that's, you know, depending on what you're shooting and depending on the weight of the rifle and muzzle brakes and stuff. But yeah, 25 to 30 some percent less recoil than a big 30, like the 300 PRC. I tell you, uh, I'm I'm not uh, ashamed to say I don't like recoil, especially shooting the PRS games and all those gamer guns where there is no recoil. You get used to it. But the seven, I'm not I'm not giving up anything for terminal performance. And I'm actually picking up some wind drift and, and bullet drop numbers because of the efficiency of the bullet and the muzzle velocities. And it's just a, a, a sweetheart. Like I said, it just does everything. Mic drop, man. Yeah. Mic that's, drop. That's my answer. And again, <laughs> there's some scenarios where I'll choose one over the other. You know, if I'm late season cow elk, which you've got 300 sets of eyes on you and you might not be able to get closer. The 300 PRC is, I mean, it is just the hammer and you, you can airmail some stuff with those big thirties antelope stuff like that man 6.5 prc is great if you do have to take an extended range shot it's like shooting a laser beam i go short barrels i can run a seven pound gun let's say and it's not super handful but if i just had to pick one it's the seven i can do a lot with that yeah you, you brought up a interesting point there about the uh, 300 eyeballs with the cow elk have you done that before mm-hmm. no uh I'm, how, how I'm do you know about to... that though because that's it's oh. really funny i took jersey uh yeah. to deseret because we drew a deseret cow tag Yep. And there was like a thousand eyeballs and it was so hard to get close. And the rest of the public, cause the public can draw that private land tag if you're a Utah resident mm-hmm. and there were elk running all over the place and it was, yeah. it was just a crap show. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's fun. It's really funny that you said that. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends uh, outside the industry and a lot of friends inside the industry where that's, that's something they look forward to as often as they can do it because you can fill freezer with some darn good meat and a lot of us with young families we eat a pile of ground meat i myself usually eat a pound of ground meat a day and it's nice to have a freezer full of elk and uh, that's something that a lot of us uh, look forward to like i said hopefully it's on my to-do list here uh, maybe this this late fall yeah right on man yeah i i I think that's perfect i think that i think you said all the perfect things and man you had the perfect answers for everything that's why they call you the whiz kid well now what would you choose 7 PRC all day. Not no question. For for all the things you mentioned, recoil, um just being able to follow up, trace my shot, 
having just yep. middle of the road between the 6.5 PRC and the 300 PRC, enough bullet and velocity and energy for any type of hunt I want to do, be it antelope, um, mule deer, bear, plenty for bear, still plenty for elk. I, I wouldn't be opposed to taking up uh, the 7 PRC to hunt brown bear either, you know? Yeah, with the right bullet, again, you can do a lot. And I appreciate that you say that because uh, if your your followers go back to early days of Muley Freak, you know, we're, we're going back a while now, you hunted with it all. You hunted with Creedmoors. You hunted with 300 uh, Norma Magnums. I mean, yep. you've hunted with seven mags. You've hunted 280 Ackleys. I mean, you've really spanned. Six Creed even. You, yeah, you've shot all the cartridges up into and including i'm guessing 338 lapua or i know for sure 300 norma mag yep. and to, to hear you you've got all that experience and all of those hunts and you still come back to the seven i think yeah. that says a lot for its versatility yeah absolutely seven stw in fact that one of our most popular little short videos on youtube is a 700 yard kill shot on a on an antelope with a seven stw i believe it was 180 grain mm-hmm. eldm and anyways yeah, and people are like, well, why do you need all these calibers? I'm like, I don't. I don't. But I can, so I am. And it, it's, yeah. it's more for experience and to learn, if anything, to see what I like and what I yep. don't like. And, you know, if you, have, if you have the resources to be able to go out there and experiment like that, then do it because then you'll figure out what you like and what you don't like. And uh, case in point, you know, like, like you mentioned, the different calibers I've, I've done it all with. And all of them work. It's just what do you like? And it goes back yeah, to, what works the best. yeah, what works the best. And it goes back to shot placement, you know, um, and then distance scenarios, what type of terrain you're hunting in, how, you know, what type of style of hunting you're going to be. Are you going to be shooting off a tripod? Are you going to have the ability to go prone? Is there, is it flat? Are you going to need, are you pounding timber? And then you make decisions based on what type of hunting, because there's not a perfect answer every single time, in my opinion. No. There, there definitely isn't there, there is a, you know, there's a key that'll open many, many locks, maybe not all the locks. And I feel like that key is, you know, the seven, it, it does so many things well. And that's not to say there's not a place for the rest of them, but just watching your recent films that you guys have put out, I've seen, you know, you've got Aaron shooting his black bear and he's got like one bipod leg this way and one this way. And he's shooting over a rock and, you know, you're shooting off of a log with this, you know, rear tripod rest going on and uh-huh. you know you're shooting from improvised positions and you're shooting at you know some extended ranges and you're making good effective shots and you know it's going to handle those 50 yard shots like aaron's you know 207 buck that just jumps up and there he is and you got to make the quick right. shot and do that too it really does it all right so we're going to watch a i'm going to see if i can pull this off seth i'm going to put this on dang it hold on i'm trying to share a youtube short this is in one second. I'm okay. Try, I'm trying to pull up Janessa's YouTube short that we just did, and we're going to watch it together because I'm going to share my screen. Okay, just paused it. Now I'm going to see if I can share my screen here. You guys had a good last fall as far as knocking down Dude, big deer. It was amazing. We really got blessed. Okay, do you see which shot was better? Yeah. Okay, so this is a short we recently released. This is Janessa. She is my wife. She didn't grow up hunting, city girl. Uh, uh, didn't, doesn't have the hunting heritage background. Well, doesn't have a shooting married hair. into it. Oh, man. She fought, we've been married almost 11 years. We have six children together. We, she fought me tooth and nail. 
as you know, as most women do when they don't want to do something uh, that their husband wants them to do. But bless her heart, I finally got her out hunting after a few years. I ended up getting a tag and said, "Hey, you're going." She's like, "I'm not going. I'm I'm having a baby. This, that, and the other." Um, gosh dang it! Sorry. Okay, here we go. Peyton's on him. He's down. Okay, top one, 7 PRC, 175 grain ELDX. Now, it's a little high lung, so yep. I think there's some spine shock, shock involved. Bottom one is a 6 by PRC, 143 grain ELDX. Center of the lung. Yeah, that I mean, she 10 ringed him on that bottom screen. Oh, it couldn't have been a more perfect shot. Uh, bottom one was 250 yards or so. Top one is, we're just going to let it play here a minute longer. Uh, top one was 367. But the, but the difference is, in my opinion, of these two shots, is there's just more energy and bullet in that top shot. Hence, yes, it's a little higher, but I think that's why you get that, you know, that shock into the spine, even though it's high lung. And yes, there was some damaged uh, backstrap on that top shot, which isn't ideal. I bet on, on the exit side. Mm-hmm. Which obviously isn't ideal because we love to eat these animals, of course. Of course. It's, it's not all about the antlers. But, um, you know, I think this is a, a perfect uh, point to make is like they both kill. Oh, yeah. W one was dead in its tracks and one went 20 yards and died. And that has to do a little bit with shot placement. But like, that always. I, I don't think, I think if the 6.5 PRC, would have, we would have been shooting a 6.5 PRC on uh, that top deer, the the cheater buck, I don't think we would have got that same effect of him going down. I don't know that. It's just, yeah, it's, it's hard just, saying. it's hard saying because you don't know. Yep. But having that, what you say sometimes, budget error. Having that yeah. budget error of more velocity, uh, more energy on impact, covers up maybe not a perfect, that's still a perfect shot, but maybe not a 12 ring. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you can sometimes, you know, buy yourself a little bit of insurance and that, you know, just by choosing a little bit bigger bullet, going a little bit faster, uh, not by much, but it is going a little bit faster with the sevens. You have a significantly heavier bullet, you know, to the tune of 30 some grains. Uh, and then you've got, it's way longer with a higher velocity, with a bigger frontal area. You just got a lot of things lining up to make that bullet just a little bit more authoritative upon arrival. Yeah. So, what's your comment here? We're going to watch it one more time. Which shot was better, Seth? He's down. Well, if I had to choose the of like the traditional better shot, I'd say the the 65 right behind the shoulder in the soft tissue on a unassuming animal, you know, that's that's not startled or nothing. You're getting all the meat preservation uh and you know the bullet's going to work. It's in its sweet spot for performance. I probably give that one the nod however i am very very much a high shoulder shooter myself as a lot of people in the industry and certainly out in the west have become i'd rather you know take those three or four pounds of meat that i have to carve around when i when i butcher this animal up uh from the bloodshot or something but knowing that i'm putting that animal on its chest right now um that feels it's so confidence inspiring, especially when you're hunting boundaries or, you know, you're hunting public. It just, man, it just makes me feel good knowing I watch that animal bounce off the ground uh, versus 
even though you make the 10 ring shot, it runs off 10 or 20 yards or something like that. Still still anxiety. There's still a little anxiety when that happens. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yep. You know, cause yeah, weird, weird things happen, you know, weird things oh, happen yeah. and animals are uh, tough. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. And so, yeah, you want to hit them with the appropriate size stick, but, uh, I think the, the carry the big stick just for the sake of having a big stick mentality is wrong. And, uh, I think you got to find something that you can shoot well. And obviously both of those shots just, yeah, you can't ask for more than that. And kudos to your wife for growing up, not hunting. A lot of us incredible grew up hunting and you shoot the doe and you shoot the, you know, the spike and you shoot the three by three basket rack mm-hmm. and then you shoot, you know, your first 110 inch white tail or, you know, there's like a graduation of things. She went straight into shooting, like put them on the wall caliber to handle expectations and to squash emotion and to follow through, make those shots in that moment. That's that, that takes a, uh, takes a good, you know, takes a, a tighten up behind the bolt oh, for that one. hundred percent. She's poised, man. The ability to perform under pressure, she's got it. Um, you know, it was really funny. She had a lot of 70, 80-year-old men coming up to her at the Hunt Expo asking for pictures with her buck with them and her in it. Really? It was so funny, dude. We <laughs> were laughing so hard. That's awesome. Uh, she, get a t-shirt made or I something. Know, I know. She might have even signed an autograph. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, she's big time. So we, we better te- change her Instagram yeah. handle. The president of Muley Freak, man. I might make her 51% owner <laughs> what, and, and call it a woman-owned business. There you go. Strategy move. That's a smart one, actually. Actually, yeah. Think about that. Guys, be sure to check out MagView and use code MuleyFreak10 for 10% off. Now, MagView is, in my opinion, the best digiscoping option out there. No need for a case. Um, there's a simple magnet goes on the outside of your phone, connects to the cap on your spotter itself, eliminate weight, eliminate bulk, and get 10% off Muley Freak 10. You'll absolutely love the B1, the S1 for your binos. That's what the B1 is. Be sure to check it out, Muley Freak 10. Okay, man. Well, we got her narrowed down, picking your caliber, uh, circumstantial, know the train you're hunting, what type of shot distances, what type of game. From there, um, it really comes down to three. Yeah, we you know, Seth's tried more calibers than I have, but it comes down to 6.5 PRC, 7, 7 PRC, and 300 PRC. And from there, man, the 7 PRC gets a nod from both of us for various reasons, as mentioned in the podcast. Yeah, it does. It just just does so many things well, and you're not sacrificing anything. It's it's win-win all the way around, no matter how you look at it. So hate hate versus hype, and we'll we'll wrap this up. Like, yeah. seven, 7 PRC, uh, why is it, how is it different? Because I know we're going to get this. How's it different from the 7 Mag, uh, a custom loaded 7 Mag, uh, 7 STW, 280 Ackley? I mean, give me give me the long and short of that, the best you can. Yeah, sure. So uh, a lot of it is going to come out in the wash, if you will, because like you mentioned, a custom loaded 7 Mag. We've talked about this before on the Hornady podcast and maybe in yours as well. The 7 PRC really owes its its design roots to custom loaded seven mags. There was a lot of us at Hornady custom rifle twist, custom chamber throat dimensions and custom hand loaded ammo outside of Sammy specs all the way around that performed just like a seven PRC. So if you have one of those seven mags and you're running one seventy fives at 3000 feet per second, you know, at 3.4 inches overall length with an eight twist barrel. Great. There's, there's no reason to switch yet. There are some nuance to where, you know, the case shape compared to a seven mag specifically 
gets rid of the belt, so you have a more consistent headspace dimension, uh, and it has the, you know a little bit different body taper, has a larger diameter body and a shorter powder column. So those shorter fat powder columns from an internal combustion uh, or internal pressure, uh, the internal ballistics of it, generally have a little bit more consistent pressure curve. Um, so you'll get you know a little bit potentially better extreme spread on your pressure and your velocity. Uh, and again, the more efficient use of, of the headspace method off the shoulder versus off the belt. And again, it is a little bit shorter. Uh, so if you compare Sammy spec to Sammy spec, now you're not even the same universe. The seven mag is capped at 59,000 pounds of pressure. It's not actually loaded to true magnum pressure. It's got a really short overall length and short head height for long, heavy bullets doesn't have the SAMI supported twist rate to shoot the bullets we want to shoot. Um, there's just a lot of hamstrings that are getting clipped there yeah. uh, compared to the 280 Ackley. Another cool cartridge that if you have a 280 Ackley, go ahead and shoot the snot out of it because right. that's just got, it's just cool. There's a cool factor to the 280 Ackley. Um, but again, you're limited to velocity because of the, the powder column and you're limited to what bullets can shoot in those standard lengths and twist rates. Um, then when you look at bigger cartridges faster 7 stw 28 nozzler now you're in a similar boat but reversed so now you're in say the 7 stw you still got a belted case you have short head height so you have this big long case with this huge powder capacity but you can't put the bullets you want in there unless you seat them out long with a custom load and a custom fast twist barrel so sammy spec to sammy spec you get cool velocity but you get you don't get any of the throat dimensions in the cartridge case refinements that make the seven PRC better. Uh, and you don't pick up the bullets that you actually want to shoot these big long ogive bullets. And with the 28 nozzler, you lose the belt. That's good, but you still are limited by the slow Sammy twist rate and the short head height, not allowing you to shoot the efficient bullets you want to shoot. So, uh, and in the 28 nozzler, you're burning 10 to 15% more powder than a seven PRC to get, four or five percent more velocity so you yeah. end up with 25 percent or more recoil because you're cooking off all of this powder to get a marginal increase in velocity it doesn't really make sense um so keyword being efficiency yeah. it's efficient it's yeah. more efficient than the rest it, it, it's it's more efficient and it's a better use of space you know, the, the case is significantly shorter, but you're only losing 125 feet per second at the muzzle compared to a 28 nozzler. And that's if you're shooting a 26 inch gun. Um, so yeah, I'm telling you the, the seven PRC just refines all of those things that we yeah. talked about from seven mag and 280 up to seven SCW and 28 nozzler seven rum is even worse compared to, yeah. uh, but it refines those and puts them in a well-balanced package that if you want to build a custom gun and custom ammo. Great. Do it. But if you want to buy a rifle and buy ammo, you'll get that same performance that all of us years ago were doing with custom seven mags, with custom barrels and custom hand loads. You can get that performance out of the box now. Hmm. Another mic drop, man. Yeah. Jeez. And I will say too, maybe better use of time and money. You said a better use of space. I'd say a yeah. better use of time and money too. Time being, you know, I know guys like to reload and, you know, some people yeah. have time for that and, it, and it's a passion. I don't have time. I'd I, I like it. But yeah, it, it's more of a necessity sometimes yeah. than any. Yeah, then money. The first thing I thought of was barrels, burn barrels out with like the 28 yeah. nozzler, for example, or 7STW or 7 yep. rum. And then, you know, that's a money money factor. And then, of course, you said burning less powder. Powder, 
powders a, a, a scarcity right now. Yeah, yeah. And the powders that those cartridges thrive on has become increasingly, and in some cases, impossible, hard to, you know, possibly hard to find. So, yeah, if you can shoot a little bit less powder and not really sacrifice your, excuse me, your external ballistics or your terminal performance at range, you know, because just because they're going faster at first doesn't mean anything. The fact that they're going faster at the muzzle, they're not shooting the same kind of bullets that we're shooting. You know, they're not shooting the as efficient of a bullet. So, yeah, you've got a head start, but they don't beat you to the gate because those bullets aren't efficient. You know, yeah. they're losing velocity faster. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, and yet primers are 10 cents a piece now. Yeah. And hard to uh, find. Yeah. And brass, brass for 7STW can be, you know, difficult. 28 nozzles are still relatively commonplace, um, but 7PRC is grossly eclipsed it as far as sales volume goes. Yeah. Do you guys, you guys don't make 28 nozzle brass, do you? Yeah. You do? You bet. Okay. Yep, we make uh, and and we load factory ammo. Uh, it's loaded with the 162 ELDX because the head height is too short to use our 175, and the twist rate mm. is just a touch too slow. They went with a one and nine twist, gotcha. uh, and so the 175 just not going to work. Copy that, Seth the Whiz Kid, wealth and knowledge man. I appreciate you carving time out of your day to spend it with us uh, and educate the uh, the grind followers. Uh, Preston, thank you for uh, straightening Seth out. Uh, getting them all lined out with the audio and whatnot. We appreciate you guys. Um, anything in closing, Seth? No, I just hope to uh, encourage the listener to you know check out the Hornady podcast, obviously. And if they haven't, what I'm trying to do and what you know Preston behind the camera here and, and all of us in the Hornady team, what we're trying to do is help educate the consumer base and help realize that Hornady, you know, we often get you mentioned hate versus hype versus facts kind of deal. We often, I see this all the time. Oh, it's just a marketing company. Yeah. Our marketing team is very, very small. Uh, our ballistics and our engineering team, very, very stout, very large, mm -hmm. very powerful. And I just hope that the consumers are starting to gain some trust in Hornady that we're designing things purposefully for them because we're one of them. You know, yeah. we are the hunter, the shooter, the competitor, and we're trying to design stuff that we want to use as well. So we're trying to put a lot of that information and scientific data and ballistic data out at the Hornady podcast. Wish you guys would check that out. And with yeah. that, yeah, 7PRC for another one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, check out uh, the Hornady podcast. Go subscribe to it. Subscribe to this one as well. Leave a review. Let us know if you had any questions. You, as always, you can email me at eric at mealyfreak.com. And uh, thanks, boys. We'll catch you on the next one.